Hi, and welcome to the Cloud Architects podcast. I'm here with my co-hosts, Chris. Hello. And Warren. Warren. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Chris, before we introduce our guest for this episode, you've made some recent time zone changes. Yep, yep, yep. I feel like I've been hopping through time zones over the last few months. Uh, the last show, I was actually with you guys in Cape Town. That was awesome fun. Uh, I'm still getting over the sunburn from that. But I'm back in Australia now, back in Australia full time. So it's uh, just a little after 8 p.m. Uh, here. And I know it's morning time for you guys. So, um, you know, I think this is going to add a new dynamic to our show, right, with the, the Aussie time zone. But uh, <laughs> glad to be here as always. Shame. You're always the one suffering, though. <laughs> Well, it's either early one, morning or it's late evening. Yeah, there's one of me and two of you, right? So I yeah, always get yeah. outvoted. But we also like to make it easy for the guests, I guess. So yeah, sure. Mm, mm. It does mean though that you you'll probably do the it's it's already early evening for you. It might be uh like early, early morning if we do someone in America. Oh, for sure. I think we've done those uh sort of one I think one AM was the probably the latest or earliest that we've that I've done before, but I'm sure there'll be more of those coming. But hey, it's it's all in good fun, right? So I want to talk about Kexen for a second. And before I welcome Kexen, I just want to mention that her LinkedIn profile says that she is a cloud migration and implementation person and that she's a certified Scrum Master at scale ITIL version 4 and AWS cloud practitioner, and we, we love all clouds equally. Well, not really, <laughs> but uh, we, we do have space for AWS in our hearts. And so let me just say hi, Kixin, and welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. So we're rather excited to, to have a discussion with you because we spoke a little bit off air and we, we got some detail on you. And I had the advantage of um, seeing you in another forum, which we'll talk about on the show. And I'll just preserve the air of mystery for everyone who's listening. Kexen, we know there's a lot more to you than just this title and how you got to this title. Do you mind telling our listeners a little bit of who you are? Yes, sure. I'd love to. So I'm Kexen and I am based in Berlin, Germany. Um, but as you can see, I don't really look like the typical German. <laughs> so I guess that's also something that um, is ingrained in my life story because, you know, growing up as a third culture kid with uh, parents who have just, um, you know, that came here 30 years ago, we're not, not really talking, speaking the language here and having to build something from scratch. And um, that did really impact me in the way that I want to live my life. And therefore, I've always been a very, very ambitious and I've always wanted to do things for myself and create something for myself. Um, ultimately, if I maybe tell a little bit more about um, what's on my LinkedIn profile and just like a little bit more of a summary of what I've done always. Um, I have a business background. I've studied international business in the UK and in Germany, um, but I have now transitioned to tech and that has been quite an exciting journey because I have been working in the financial services industry um, as a self-employed um, person and uh, I've worked there for about four years. Before that, I have founded my own little online shop while I was studying in the UK, um, and I just sold dearly via social media marketing. And before that, in high school, I have founded um, a small little student's company with a um, few of my classmates, and we um, founded a business model based on fair trade, where we sold um, fair trade chocolate and fair trade coffee. 
um, in order for the um, coffee and chocolate farmers to get more of their money and by eliminating the middleman and the logistics. And it was after the finance um, business that I've had where COVID hit. Mm. Uh, COVID hit a uh, year 2020 and um, March 2020 was the first time Germany got into lockdown. And, you know, you, you like I, I was someone who, who was working 24-7. I, I mean, all of you can relate, right? You just work, 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 work the whole time. You don't really get to reflect a lot or to actually, you know, think about whether or not um, this is something you're passionate about. You just are results driven. And that was the person that I was. And um, in the lockdown, it was the first time for me to actually calm down. I was thrown out of my routine and it was the first time for me to actually reflect, okay, is what I am doing currently, is that really something I'm passionate about? Do I feel that fire in the morning where I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I need to get into the office. I'm so excited. There's so many things and I'm just pumped. And no matter how tired I am, I just want to do it. And to be honest, it wasn't. It wasn't anymore. Um, and uh, then I was scrolling through social media and I don't know if it was a coincidence or if it was fate, but I saw the casting call for The Apprentice, one championship edition. And uh, if, I don't know if I'm, if I'm, am I supposed to break the barrier of mystery already or did you can go <laughs> go ahead <laughs> okay um so um i applied to that show i, I mean uh, i don't know if your viewers are familiar with the apprentice but basically it's the franchise um where trump and lord sugar have participated as well it's ultimately a business reality tv show a competition style show where a successful ceo is looking for their protege in business and uh, shatri sitiatong the ceo of one champion um, the huge MMA league in Asia and uh, also worldwide was looking for his business protege. And that was the moment I just took a risk. I didn't really think a lot about that, to be honest, because I already knew I needed something new. Um, I'm actually always someone who had a plan. I always mm -hmm. thought I had everything figured out. I, I, want, I, I know what I want to do and I know what kind of house I want to have, what kind of car I want to drive and everything. And that was the first moment where I thought to myself, you know what, I have no clue what's going to happen. I have no clue how's that going to work out. I'm just going to send in my casting video and we'll see where it goes. <laughs> and um, yeah, then I've been a part of the show ever since. Um, after that, I realized, okay, um, when I got eliminated, I mean, of course, I didn't get the job. That's why I work in tech now, <laughs> not in one championship, but it was a very, very amazing experience. Why tech? How did you go from, um, and um, to be fair, you Coffee did... Yes, and and you had martial <laughs> arts challenges and a bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And on the one episode, <laughs> you went from having to create a um, every week or every episode, there's um, a wildly different brief and brain stretching and everything else. So you moved from that into technology. Mm -hmm. So I have to say I've always been a fascinated by tech since I was a, a small child. You know, the millenn millennial generation is right, the, genera the generation that's right at the verge, right? We grew up with um, no mobile phones and suddenly having smartphones. And yeah. that has always been so fascinating for me. I remember getting my first laptop when I was 10. It was one mm -hmm. of those very, very old Dell laptops that were huge and very heavy and they were so loud. They sounded basically like a hairdryer. They were, you know, so loud. And I always had to put a fan next to the laptop so it wouldn't, it had to be cooled down, right? And I also uh, remembered um, getting my first Game Boy when I was, um, I think, even before I got into elementary school. And I was just so fascinated by 
all those technological advancements and just things that people can build that actually accelerate the human intelligence that we have because you know computers and machines they can do things we humans cannot do but we have programmed them we have built them and that's so fascinating for me stunning so I, you know what i something that i that i think is is fascinating and and obviously there's there's a lot to the story right that you just told firstly i mean having the courage to look at your career your chosen sort of field and go you know what this doesn't make me happy anymore right I, I you know i'm not gonna lie i think i i have in the past certainly gotten to a point sometimes where i wake up and i go man this is not it doesn't feel like it used to you know what i mean like go, jumping out of bed that whole jumping out of bed being excited to get to the office you know we all have our days where we kind of go man it doesn't feel like that like it used to and i think you know, you mentioned COVID. I think COVID has had a, a you know, incredible mental health impact on a lot of people. You know, for for me, and I think Nick and Warren will agree, working in tech when COVID hit, it was the opposite, right? Like, we, mm-hmm. it was an acceleration, um, an incredible acceleration, because all of a sudden, all of these organizations that, you know, many didn't allow or, or, or even think about work from home scenarios, all of a sudden now they had to make a very, very quick, you know, plan to get their their, their workforce um, working remotely. And and so for us, it was an incredibly busy time um, and, and still is, right? It continues to be. Um, and so I, that part of the story to me is, is fascinating. But so the question I actually was building up to is, there's often been a lot of talk about gatekeeping in tech. You know, uh, you know there's always, and, and, and it's, you know, we see it in even just in um, different verticals, right? Folks that are trying to get into information security from you know uh, development or from something like that. There's always sort of a sense of there's there's the old guard or the gatekeepers mm-hmm. who are trying to prevent folks coming in. Mm-hmm. Did you find there was much resistance or much of that kind of gatekeeping when you were transitioning into the tech field? Is that something mm-hmm. you had to put up with or? or bust through much? I'm actually quite surprised to hear that um, because I did not make that experience. Um, because, I don't know, I think, um, I guess it also probably depends on um, the, the people you talk to and um, also the way you um, maybe present yourself also. Because um, I, I think um, when I started off in tech, I started talking with um, a few developers first because that was the first, you know, um, the first kind of industry people that I uh, got to know. And I feel like when um, I feel like when uh, you just ask very openly about the experiences that they've made in the industry, uh, I have never had a bad experience, but that's just my personal experience that mm-hmm. I have. Um, but I, I don't know. I have never heard about that gatekeeping. And I, mean, um, I think that's great, right? Because that's mm-hmm. a sign that it's 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 going away and that's ultimately mm-hmm. where we all want to be is we want to be in a place where everyone is welcome regardless of where you're coming from what you look mm-hmm. like the language you speak and so forth and mm-hmm. so i'm really really pleased to hear that, that 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 wasn't something that you kind of experienced because you know it's not like you needed another challenge <laughs> to overcome, <laughs> yeah right? that's true yeah Okay, Warren. <laughs> oh, is that for me now? Oh, oh no, I get, to, I get to ask the hard questions, right? Of course, that's I why you're here. So, like, when it comes to your existing role now, I mean, mm-hmm. what, what exactly, what exactly do you do now? 
what is the best part of your job would you say because i mean like a lot of people when they when they sort of work for themselves they like sort of set their own rules and entrepreneurs generally don't like working for other people i mean i know like a lot of people that sort of start their own companies and they're like i work on my own time so you know when it comes to your your existing role and how you cope with, let's say, taking orders. I'm a guy that likes taking orders. I enjoy <laughs> taking orders. Fine. I, I don't think I could ever be an entrepreneur and it's just, you know, somebody who I am. And then I suppose also how do you deal with that imposter syndrome um, yeah. in your career, right? Um, when it comes to... Yeah, uh, overcoming certain challenges in your existing role and sort of like, I don't know, it happens to us all the time where we're like, well, geez, do I, do I actually, am I really that good at what I do? Um, so I suppose that's a, it's a long question, but I guess you can start by what you do and why you love it um, and how you adjusted from owning your own company mm-hmm. or at least starting your own company. Um, okay, so... Sorry. I am currently a technology consultant um, at one of those um, bigger consulting companies. And uh, what I do is I consult companies on cloud migration and implementation. And uh, coming back to your question, yes, I've always been um, an entrepreneur. Um, but I have realized that there's actually a lot of learning potential when you start working in a corporate setup. Because as an entrepreneur, you don't really get to measure, I guess, your skill level or your you know your general professionalism um with other people or with other peers you just have yourself the whole time and you can of course try to be better than you were yesterday but yes. you don't really have people who actually give you constructive criticism and sometimes even harsh criticism you don't really have people who can teach you things about um things you've never even thought about or heard about before mm. and um, there are just so many things inside a corporate setup that are so beneficial and i feel like my generation especially the millennials they always tend to romanticize entrepreneurship um, because you know it's the great freedom and you can do whatever you want and you can earn so much money and it's always so easy of course like that's what the people tell you right about entrepreneurship but that's not true it's very very hard and you have to you know uh, always keep yourself in check and everything but i feel like when you only develop and learn by yourself there's a certain limit that you reach after Mm. a few years and uh, for me I've realized that I have reached that limit because I felt like okay there isn't really a lot of learning that I'm doing anymore so I thought to myself I have to get into a corporate setup I have to you know um, be someone who needs to adapt to a huge 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 team of people who are all smarter than me because ultimately I was a beginner in tech and uh, I, w- I wasn't used to that. I always used to be the person who, you know, taught people about certain things, but this time I was the one being taught. And uh, I think that's a huge potential and people underestimate that. Mm. So speaking well, of asking, learning, sorry, Warren, you go ahead. My, my mind's complete. It's a complete segue because I know I'm going to lose it now. So it's Android or iPhone. Windows or Mac? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a very important question. Sorry. Um, <laughs> well, personal. I, I wish I wouldn't have known that you work at Microsoft now before because uh, <laughs> no, 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 a little it bit it doesn't, no, it doesn't matter. It's fine. I use a Mac. It's cool. Oh, um, oh okay. Yes. <laughs> well, I've in private. Android, Windows, and Mac. 
Okay, I see. So private. I'm not going to ask which cloud because that I don't yeah. even want to know the answer. <laughs> okay, um, so privately, I've always used an, an iPhone, um, even though my first phone was um, a Motorola and then an HEC, so I, I didn't grow up using an iPhone, but uh, as soon as I had an iPhone, um, actually it was um, the, the, the iCloud that got me into buying a Mac also. Um, back then, I was still very young. I didn't even have a real clue about, you know, cloud technology, but I just thought it was so fascinating. So, mm. Mac and iPhone. <laughs> very, very good choices. Okay. <laughs> so, so uh, what, I, what I was going to ask you is, you mentioned kind of learning and that sort of, uh, you know, sharing and community aspect of, of working with a team of peers. What's the coolest tech thing that you've learned in the last, like, six months? Like tech, like technology-wise, what's the coolest thing that you've played with or learned in the last month? Hmm. Um, I recently just got into chaos engineering. Um, I'm still doing a certification for that, but I just think it's such a fascinating approach on doing things. Uh, the way that Netflix has grown just because of that. I mean, I think the development team is consists only of 70 people or something, right. if I'm not mistaken, so less than 100. And that's fascinating how much they have built that whole huge 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 company just by mm. you know having that clear approach and just and yeah developing like a whole personal approach that uh they we've never seen before in the tech world that's interesting yeah it's good it's interesting to see companies like that and and, and slack i think uh, does things as well where they they develop so much Hmm. awesome things internally right like not only methodologies um, but actual tools that they just release to the public and i'm thinking about um there's a the nebula project that i think is a slack project which is a, a network overlay thing which i think is just it's just insane how they have kind of re-engineered you know overlay networks but okay. it's really cool to be able to take those types of lessons from companies like uh you know slack and netflix etc and, and and kind of um, look at how they're doing and why they were successful and take a learning from that. So that's, that's super cool. Microsoft have a Chaos Studio now, just by the way. <laughs> tell us about it. Tell us about it, Warren. Tell us. Well, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's called Chaos <laughs> Studio and you deploy it, right? And then what you do is you set out what you call a chaos experiment, right? Which from start to finish details what goes wrong. Okay? Oh, wow. So let's say you like... I want that virtual machine to disconnect from the network. I want that load balancer to fail. I want that app service to die. I want that database to do whatever. And you set out like this plan of what you want to fail. And then you hit the go button and you see what that, what, what happens. And then it'll take down the database and you'll see if it fails over correctly. You'll see if you lose data. You'll see if you don't lose data or whatever the case may be is. So the idea is that you take this test environment, you create an experiment, and then mm. you run through it as if a data center, let's say, failed. Let's say that DC dies completely. And you're like, mm -hmm. okay, does it actually fail over the way it's supposed to fail over? And I guess that's, again, it's the whole chaos monkey, chaos engineering sort of thing. What that's happens cool. if you had to throw the monkey into the room? And so it gives you the ability to do that now. I see that chaos engineering is part of the, the Azure well architected framework, and that's cool. And I also see there's uh, the Azure Chaos Studio. So I think we'll have to, just for the sake of completeness, stick it into the show notes as well. Shame, shameless. That's my cue. 
I'm sorry, I, I didn't know that Asia also. <laughs> no, no, this is not whose, whose cloud is better than, than, than yours. Well, obviously, we, we have some opinions on that. But uh, we, we don't define people by the cloud that they use. Well, not publicly, anyway. <laughs> no, not publicly. Not, not while we're recording. Um, so, you know, speaking of clouds, you live in Germany and work in Germany. Uh, I think there's always been some reluctance um, from the Germans to to kind of enter the cloud space. And I know Nick has a, a fancy German word or expression that that kind of uh, describes that, Nick, if, if you will, um, before I butcher it. Yes, it's Daten bleiben, which effectively means that, oh, I think I've just lost some power, which effectively yes, means that the state stays at home. Right. So the, the, I guess the question is, have you found um, working in the cloud space, uh, particularly in Germany, to be particularly challenging? Or, or, or do you think that uh, organizations um, are sort of moving away from that reluctance? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a difference between, um, you know, middle size or small companies uh, versus big companies, um, because uh, the bigger companies, they are actually quite open to it because they know that if they do not adapt a cloud strategy, they will be lost behind. And uh, all these big companies that are within the DAX, for example, they are all under immense pressure. Um, so for example, I'm currently working at a project in the automotive industry and the automotive industry is very, very, it's a huge shark tank at the moment. Uh, everyone is trying to be better than the other one. Everyone's trying to be the best at um, when it comes to e-mobility, for example. And uh, that's very crazy. But uh, with the smaller middle-sized um, companies, I definitely feel that. I mean, honestly, you can't even go out in Germany or especially in Berlin, which is the capital city of Germany and expect every, I don't know, vendor or every cafe restaurant to accept a credit card. That's even crazy, you know, like at some places oh. they only accept cash because they do not trust, you know, <laughs> Visa or, or bank or banks or oh, whatever. Yeah. That's, that's so crazy, honestly. You, you know, Germans are always very reluctant when it comes to taking risks or when they um, have to trust an external party that they don't know. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, um, our company is um, working with the bigger companies, so that's good. So um, we don't, we have a lot of companies and a lot of projects going on in the cloud space. Um, but with the smaller companies, I, I mean, I don't know what they're gonna do if they do not start, a, you know, adapting a cloud strategy. I think that's a, it is a bit of a universal problem, right? I think we mm. find, um, I, I've been, I had been working in in the U.S. for the last uh, seven or eight years, and I, you know, even in the U.S., you would think, you know, Microsoft are an American company, Amazon are an American company, um, and you would think there would be no trust issues, right? But you still do come across, um, you know, and and definitely there's fewer of them, but you certainly do come across companies still who the cloud is, you know, a very dirty word that they do not want to utter. So. Um, yeah, I was fascinated about kind of what you would you'd be experiencing, you know, uh, being in Germany. So that's that's um, that's super interesting. And how do you overcome that? How do you talk to a um, small or medium company? Bear in mind that you understand what it is to be an entrepreneur and to now try to convince someone that they should be using something so that they are not just 
relevant within their own country because the opposition may be using a cloud technology that gives them an advantage, but also be relevant in a, if I can use the overused word of global village. Mm -hmm. um, I think being, um, having the business background, I think I'm quite um, able to emphasize with what a business owner wants and ultimately what the business owner wants is revenue and longevity of their business. And um, cloud technology cuts a lot of operational costs that they do not see in the beginning. And I think that's something mm -hmm. people underestimate, you know, because of course you mm -hmm. need to spend a little bit of money in the beginning. It's an investment though, um, because the more you implement cloud technology, the more money you can save throughout the years. That's the first point. And the second point is also, if you do not start adapting, you will fall behind because cloud technology enables companies to be so much faster, you know, they make faster decisions, they can work from everywhere in the world. And these are so many aspects that also save so much time and uh, brings up the efficiency of the company. And I mean, who would want to lose that, you know, just because they feel like, okay, hey, it's a little bit complicated to understand and so on. I mean, yeah. we, we people, we always have to learn and we always have to adapt. Like even us who work in tech, we always have to get a new certification. We always have to learn about a new technology and so, yeah. and, and so on, because if we don't adapt with the time, we will fall behind. Mm. That's it's a, a very, answer. very important, yeah, and a very important lesson, right? It doesn't matter if you've, been doing this job for 20 years or if you've been doing this job for four years right it's it's it is a constantly evolving industry and it is you know you need to constantly um kind of keep keep yourself constant and fresh but also adapt the way you think because i think you know if we look at a lot of things today um the the best practices and nick has a lovely word that he uses a lovely way to describe this the long tail of previous best practices and i love it when he talks about that because ultimately you know, we find customers all the time that that get themselves into this trap, right? And uh, you know, I've been talking to a customer just recently um, who are who are here now. Like they've they've made they've followed best practices best they could over you know the period of almost two decades, but they're in a position now where they've never changed their thinking from some of those you know initial best practices, and um, and so they've they've kind of taken design theory and and best practices of design in architecture. Uh, and infrastructure from you know 15 years ago and they still look at that today right and now they're in a position where like they need to start undoing that and that becomes very difficult so the ability to adapt i think is and and just continue to look at your your, your approaches i think is super super important um mm. we're always gonna kind of be there um i love how you said that your finance or business background kind of helps you uh relate to customers uh or clients in a, in a better way i've always I've had this ongoing debate with my brother because my brother is a, is a business, um, you know, studied business and, and worked in business for a long, long time before he had his girls. And, you know, he's a, uh, a stay-at-home dad at the moment, but he's been looking for ways to kind of, you know, start keeping his mind busy again. And one of the things that really appeals to him is big data and data analytics, mm -hmm. you know, and so he often says, oh, well, I will never do well in tech because, you know, I'm not a techie, I'm a business person. And I argue with him all the time that he is in the perfect position to, to make that transition because he has, um, you know, a skill set and a knowledge um, of business. So when he looks at data and when he sort of analyzes things, he has the ability to apply a whole different set of views to it, right, that a normal technical person probably wouldn't think of or may not think of. So I love that you, that you mentioned that because I think that's uh, that's another sort of, I'm going to refer him to this 
this podcast the next time we have this conversation. <laughs> yeah. So kind of moving on to um, inspiring and inspiration and, and, and you know, the, the Before we go piece. there, Chris, yeah. do you mind if I ask her? I do want to turn the, the lens back onto Kex. And before we go to the um, the, the how to, um, yeah. there's something which I enjoyed watching on the, the Netflix show, which is, and actually it, it won you a whole bunch of points in, in the various boardroom scenes that we saw. And it was your willingness to discuss how you got to the place where you were as a, a human being and how adversity shaped you and the effect that it had on you. Do you mind talking to us about that? Mm -hmm. um, so on episode four of The Apprentice, uh, Chatri kind of bombarded me with a, with a very personal question. <laughs> I wasn't prepared at a, uh, for it at all. Um, but he basically asked me um, how I got to the point where I am right now because um, he sees uh, that I am a fighter and willing to pull through things. And um, I think um, first of all, the earliest experience of adversity I had was um, that I grew up in a small German village. So I did not always live in Berlin. I moved to Berlin when I was 10 years old, but um, a small German village is exactly the way you would imagine, you know? <laughs> so uh, I think uh, we only have one Italian family in our neighborhood and that's it. So everyone wow. was basically German. And then us, a Chinese family, where the father didn't even really speak proper German, you know. Mm. And uh, that, of course, was the talk of the small village, I guess, very, very quick. And um, during the SARS breakout, um, and I think it was 2002 or three, if I'm not mistaken, um, people started getting really, really weird with me. So before they were already weird because they realized, okay, I look different and my family doesn't really speak, um, you know, German and so on. But in 2002, it got really, really bad. Um, for example, I remember that in PE class, we were supposed to form a circle with our hands. We we're supposed to hold hands with our neighbors and form a circle. Um, but my... Um, classmates who were standing next to me they decided to put the sleeve over their hands first before they touched me because uh, mm. apparently wow. I was a dirty infectious being or whatever and uh, I mean of course that stuck with you and uh, when at that age you don't really realize what it meant mm. of course mm. but you did realize that there was some kind of issue going on and I also remember that um, the parents of my friends started looking at me weirdly and told their friends, told their kids to not hang out with me as often any, anymore. And I could felt them whispering and so on. So that was mm. quite, uh, quite bad. And that was also the, the point where my father made the decision that we have to move into a bigger town, into a bigger mm. city, um, because uh, staying there would have been very, very bad for us. So uh, then we moved to Berlin and that was, that was a lot better because, you know, mm. in Berlin, we have a lot of immigrants. And uh, I also went to an international school. And that was actually the first time for me where I saw people who looked differently as well, just get along with each other mm. and uh, not that being a topic at all mm. the whole time. And that was very amazing. And I also have to say, I think that was my saving haven <laughs> in that yeah. sense, because um, if, if we wouldn't have moved to Berlin, I don't know what um, kind of person I would have become, to be honest. But you allowed that adversity not to crush you. I remember you saying that it made you and gave you actually an advantage. That's true, yes. Um, I think quite early on in, in life, I realized, okay, you kind of have the power to um, decide what kind of person you want to be in the, the life that you want to live. And I think a lot of people always take 
failures or adversity as a reason for why they cannot be successful. But actually, when you look, when you watch movies, for example, of superheroes, all superheroes always have a very, very bad background. They go through struggles and they um, have a lot of pain points in their life. But these kind of failures and struggles and pain points are actually a part of the success story and make them to the person that they are, you know, with wanting to save uh, the weaker people or being strong because they have endured a lot already. And I think instead of just putting them those negative feelings aside and just, you know, only focusing on the positive, that's actually a bad approach. You have to take these negative things and put them into your positive things mm -hmm. that you have experienced because this is all a part of a very very beautiful thing that defines you stunning chris i want to hand back to you yes no i mean i, I really i i think what i was what i was going to ask was you know we we mentioned um you you mentioned education we've talked about kind of learning and constant learning right and and one of the things i think that we um we like to do on this show is is talk about or help the listener kind of get it, get a, a feeling for like, how could they become you? Right. And, and, you know, very often there's, there's a, there's a kid somewhere and I know, you know, uh, Nick has two daughters and Warren has a daughter. Um, they're, you know, young girls who are, who are potentially looking to enter, um, into tech. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, what, 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 do you have any like words of wisdom, you know, or some advice or, or, or things that you can sort of impart on them on, on uh, specifically, I think young girls who are potentially, you know, wanting to embark on a career in tech and looking at this and going, wow, this might be uh, something that I can't do. What, you know, what can you um, help them, uh, help them believe that they can? I think I have to say um, a big, big thing in life for any kind of success is, a little bit of healthy naive, naive, how do you say na naivety? Naivety. Na uh, healthy naivety. Um, mm -hmm. Because if you just, I think a lot of people are reluctant to go into tech because they feel, they overanalyze things. They mm -hmm. um, analyze uh, why they can't do it. They analyze why this industry is hard. They analyze why it's too late for them and so on and so on. But our heads do not always tell us the truth is something mm -hmm. that I've learned. And because it's so, yeah, it's so influenced by outside um, influences and that's not good at all. I think just being a little bit naive and believing in yourself and always thinking about the moments where you have proven to yourself that you are able and capable to do things mm -hmm. and also tap into your inner you know into your inner power i guess or how shatter always called it the inner warrior just believing that no matter what happens you can pull through it because you have proven to yourself that you can i think that's the best approach to do anything in life mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that resonates with me from your story is that there is no one way or one path into an industry and that you are effectively the sum of your experiences and you're using the the past that you have which has helped shape your character you've got a multicultural divergence that you can draw from in terms of problem solving you have a, a, a number of advantages that in a previous decade would have been disadvantages and now actually are success enablers and even accelerators in your your current career and how i've seen that is 
Um, I'm a first-generation South African living in South Africa with the challenges that we have. However, my ancestry is, is German. So coming from a highly structured environment such as Germany and living in a highly unstructured environment such as South Africa, the kind of decisions that we would make from an IT point of view is how to plan for failure and failure of everything. So we don't even take power as guaranteed. And I remember talking to a, a German family members about uninterruptible power supplies in case the power went out. And they asked me, why would that happen? And so because that's not part of, of the decision tree, they wouldn't plan for that. And um, the, the summary of, of what I'm saying is that as a consultant going into other highly structured environments overseas, we have been able to solve problems that people who come from highly structured environments couldn't. And mm -hmm. the sum of your experiences are a distinct advantage to the career that you've chosen. And we want to celebrate that. Oh, thank you. I think that's uh, very beautifully put. That's uh, true for sure, because um, I do believe that people who have always um, experienced only successes and only good moments, uh, once they have mm -hmm. their first failure moment, uh, they get thrown off guard. Uh, they're all yeah. like, okay, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. This is this feels weird, and I've never experienced that before. But people who are used to chaos, I, I, I guess, or people who are used to you know feeling negative emotions mm -hmm. and experience them uh, overcoming them, um, they mm -hmm are so, so, so much more welcoming even of, the, of these kind of challenges. Yeah, and I think mm -hmm. um, there, there's this very interesting uh, term, like the, the Phoenix servers. <laughs> and I think uh, people who are successful are small Phoenix servers as well, you know, because um, they always rise on the ashes and uh, they always um, manage to reinvent themselves and just, you know, learn from the past failures. Mm, that's lovely. <laughs> so let me just refer back to, to Chris and Warren before we ask Hicks and what does she want to plug? Is there anything else that you guys want to ask? No, I think I think you've 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 captured it uh, just perfectly right. And I think Nick also um, I think it cannot be overstated that that really um, the tech industry is for it for anyone. Anyone who wants to be here or be involved can be involved, right? And I think you, you said it really, really well when you said, you know, there's not one or two entry points. You, you know, you don't have to write code to work in tech. And I think, you know, breaking down those barriers or continuing to break those barriers is is, is super important work. And Kexon, you know, congratulations. And, and you know, I, I think your story is, is super inspiring, you know, to, to all of us. And so really appreciative of you sharing it as openly as you have with us as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and you're living proof, I guess, that you can be whatever the hell you want to be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, especially in our age, uh, you can Google basically anything. You know, I think I, I uh, started um, learning a little bit more about tech through YouTube tutorials. <laughs> to be honest, Thanks. I bought some courses via Udemy. There are so many informations available. People just mm. have to, you know, have to stop being scared of hard work, I guess, you know, and just mm. have to um, let go of the image they have of themselves and just, you know, mm. be open enough to create a mm. new story for themselves. Mm. 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 Bravo, Kexen. Good gemacht. So <laughs> let us ask you, what is it that you would like to plug? And you can plug anything. Could be your, your socials, how you want to be found, how you not don't want to be found. If you'd like to be found for further interviews, how would people do that? Mm -hmm. I think um, 
I have two big channels. One of them is LinkedIn and the other one is Instagram. So LinkedIn is definitely for the professional setup, right? <laughs> Obviously, but um, I mean, young girls, for example, or anyone who's also interested in the person that I am in, in private, uh, they can also tap into my Instagram account, Kexine Sherry, which is a pseudonym that I have, I came up with in high school. So I just kept it <laughs> since then. Fantastic. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely share those to make sure folks can get, get hold you. of you. Um, and yeah, you know, again, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us and, and sharing your story and, you know, I guess inspiring us too, right? I think that's, hey everyone. Uh, it's been a Before been a really, you go, really good I just wanted to say oh, thank, thank you for listening. All. It's we been really a pleasure. enjoyed putting this <laughs> podcast together for you every two weeks. Please visit us at thearchitects.cloud or alternatively drop us a tweet 